0: so excited. Uh, this morning I get to share about one of my favourite Bible verses of all time and who doesn't like to talk about their favourite things, am I right? wait, okay, I'm waiting for my cue. Who doesn't like to talk about their favourite things, am I right? A little bit louder Joe, we need to hear it. Oh, you want to hear about some of my favourite things? Well, of course, number one, one of my favourite things, and this is true, is that. Living in Kapiti, walking on the beach. Oh, you can't see it. For, oh, you can turn around, look at the one at the back. Sunsets, Kapiti Beach, can I walking along. Spectacular. That's one of my favourite things. But that's not all. This is one of my favourite things. Salt and wood, anybody? Can I get a testimony? Anybody? Yeah, burgers as big as your head. You've just got to gnaw your way in. Dribbles down your arm. Thank you, salt and wood. And why can I? That's one of my favourite things. But there's more. These people, of course, are one of my favourite things. Oh, no, no, they're not in order, Ian. They're not in order. This is like various favourite things. Not in the actual order. And these people are some of my favorite things. That's like a couple of years ago at Easter Camp. But they are some of my favorite things. And this Bible verse. Oh, oh, were were there not UFOs at Easter Camp when you went, Lawrence? And this Bible verse. All right, so before I tell you why that's one of my favorite Bible verses... I want to pray, thanks. We could probably quit the music now. Thanks, Joe and GJ. Would you like me to sing? I could sing it afterwards, that's fine. Um, I'm not backwards in singing. There we go. So I usually don't need to be asked twice. But before I go on and tell you why, this is one of my favorite verses. I want to pray. Let's pray. God, thank you for your incredible goodness. Thank you that we get to live in this place where there are beautiful sunsets and beautiful hamburgers and beautiful people. And that's just the trifecta. So God, thank you for your incredible goodness, our favorite things, whatever they are. God, may we experience more of your goodness. And I pray you'd open our hearts today to your goodness. And I want to speak specifically against any spirit of poverty, rejection or lies that come in and try and rob us of that. And we pray bring your revelation and understanding today. And may they be replaced with your goodness and your hope. Amen. Okay. I want to tell you why. Reading glasses. This is one of my favorite Bible verses. Here we go. For if by the trespass of one man, oh, GJ, could you go back one? Yep, if by, no, without the red lines, that's a secret for later. If by the trespass of one man, that's Adam, death reigned in that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Adam, this much? Jesus, how much more? This is a massive Bible verse. So I remember reading this, Six, seven, perhaps eight years ago. And um, I thought, reign in life. Reign in life. What does it even mean to reign in life? So who reigns? A king reigns. People who speak and, and things just happen. Those are people who reign. Someone who has authority. Someone who has power someone who's above circumstances, they reign. And I thought of the biblical story of Joseph, right? So Joseph had a prophetic word through a dream that God was gonna use him to rule. And so probably unwisely, he told his brothers all about how great he was going to be and how he was going to rule over them. So they beat him up. They sold him into slavery. He ended up in the house of a man called Potiphar. Now, we don't know exactly what happened, but it may have been, this is conjecture, something like this. So Potiphar sends five slaves out to dig wells and Joseph's well always hits water. Joseph's, uh, Potiphar sends 10 slaves out to sow fields. And for some reason, Joseph's field brings a massive harvest. How do we know that? We don't know exactly what happened, but we know that Potiphar, who was a godless man, knew that God was with Joseph. So there was something about Joseph that Potiphar looked at him and went, this, this is an ordinary stuff. God's with him. This is incredible. What was it about Joseph? Well, we don't know, but we know that he ended up being wrongly accused, sent to prison and what happened in prison? He became one of the leaders in prison. It seemed like no matter what the circumstances that he faced, he reigned. No matter what the circumstances, he had favour on his life. And then we know the story because I'm sure most of us have read the story or seen the movie. Then he ended up being elevated to the second most powerful position in what is possibly the most powerful nation in the world at that time. And what happened? He saved the fledgling nation of Israel. And along with it, hundreds of thousands, possibly millions of others from the devastating effects of the flood, of the famine. So I remember looking at my life at the time and thinking, okay, so that's raining in life. Well, I don't know what you do when you read verses like this, but I look at myself and go, I'm not reigning in life. I remember thinking, my work, well, it's not really working. Our outgoings are far greater than our ingoings. Actually, we, we, we're in deep debt and we're sliding back further. We're not reigning in life. Andrew and I had four young children who we loved very much, but life was full and we spent more days than not drowning, going, oh, I don't know if today was a winning day. I was not reigning in life. So remember, I prayed this prayer to God. I said, God, teach me. Show me what it means to reign in life, because I wanna know. So here's my pitch. How do you reign in life? Well, first of all, it's a process, and I'll admit up front, I'm not an expert. This is not an expert speaking it, but I'd love to share with you what God's been showing me along the way. Some incredible things that God's been showing me along the way. But there's a precursor. This is, a, this is such a rich verse. It's so much so, and maybe I'm just full of myself and I don't care, but I said, Lawrence, can we make this a two-parter? Because there's so much here. So he said, yes, all right. So this is a two-part series. Yes, there's a sequel in next week. So you have to come back because if you don't come back next week, you'll only know how to half reign in life. And no one wants to half reign in life. No one said, oh, I'm half reigning in life. That's not a thing. It's not the thing we aim for. So here we go. This is part one. How do you reign in life according to Romans 5.17? So I said, God, how do you reign in life? And I feel like the first thing God showed me straight away was this verse is a recipe. Don't bring up the answers yet, GJ. This verse is a recipe. How do we reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? There's two things in this verse. Raise your hand if you know it. What are the two things that this verse says? These are the ingredients in the recipe to reign in life. Anybody have a look, have a look. This is a test. We don't even have... Can- oh, Lawrence, should we ask Lawrence? I think he feels like he needs... Lawrence, if this... Should we? Should we? Yeah. He- Lawrence, if this were a recipe, what would be one of the two ingredients for reigning in life? Uh, receiving God's abundant grace. Ding! Very good. Okay, so that's one of the recipes according to this. Can someone give me the other one? There are two ingredients. an oh, ingredient. One ingredient. One ingredient. One ingredient. Okay, Ian. Right, I, I saw that hand at the back, that Ben. But Ian, what is the second ingredient according to this recipe of rainy in life? The gift of righteousness. Exactly. So according to this, there are two essential ingredients to reigning in life, grace and righteousness. This week, we're going to talk about grace. Next week, we're going to talk about righteousness. For me, the message of righteousness was life-changing. We're going to have a special guest speaker helping me out, and um, she's very beautiful. And so that's next week. (laughs) This week, grace. Grace. We're going to talk about what grace is. And then we're going to run on to how does grace affect your ability to reign in life? Romans 5.17. So how much more will those who have received, this is the NIV version, the other versions say, oh, that's the one. So there we've got our underlined little ingredients, received, most versions say received, so that's past tense, it's already happened. Um, the abundant provision of grace. So this is not just a little bit, a bit of grace. So the precursor to reigning in life is receiving grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. So what does that mean? So we've got it right there. What is grace? Well, first of all, the most simple definition definition of grace is Jesus because grace is not just a thing or a concept. It's a person and it's Jesus. But we're going to go deeper than that because that, you know, What does that tell us? So, one definition of what is grace, because this is massive, if we need to receive this grace to reign in life, what is it? So, the simplest definition that I learned when I was a teenager is the acronym God's Riches at Christ's Expense. And that's not bad. At the cross, Jesus paid for the riches. And this is what Paul's saying in this verse it's far greater than just having our sins received. Jesus. Excuse me, Jesus did so much more at the cross. Far greater. God's riches, God's goodness, which is ours because of Christ. Now, quick story to help us understand this concept. So this is like Grace 101. Imagine you're driving your car from Waikanae to Parapurumu. You're on the old state Highway 1. You're driving past Lindale on your Right. Boat sitting on your left, you're coming around the corner, you look over at the marshal's house, you think to yourself, oh, they're lovely people. And they are. You're driving a little bit further around to the left, around the corner, I think it's rutucker Street, you're thinking, oh, lunch, coming up soon, great, what am I going to have? You forget about the change in speed thing, and then you see the, the lights behind you, oh no, it's a police car. So you pull over and you're praying with all your heart, Lord, let it be Brett Polglaze. Please, Lord, let it be Brett. I don't know why. He'd probably just smile more when he gives you a ticket. Yeah, there we go. But it's not Brett Polglaze. This prayer was not answered. So the policeman comes up. He starts to write out a ticket for your speeding fine you start thinking about a whole lot more ways you can spend $180. Well, that's what I think about. Oh man, all the things I could have done with $180 rather than this. But just before he gives you the ticket, he gets a little ding on the police app dinger that all the professionals use. Am I right, Brett? The police app dinger gives him a little ding. And the policeman says, oh, excuse me, sir. Um, I've got to be elsewhere. Next time, please observe the correct speed. You're free to go. He rips the ticket out of the book dramatically, screws it up, and throws it in a recycle bin nearby. <laughs> because that's what our police do. You think to yourself, yes, no ticket. Oh, yes, sir, I'll definitely observe the speed limit and I'll think about that more than how nice the marshals are or lunch next time I come around this corner. Is that grace? No, that is not grace. That's called mercy. When you don't get what you deserve, that's called mercy. But suddenly the policeman comes back. He hasn't gone. Yes, sir, uh... According to this official police app thing, you may have had this happen, Brett. According to this official police app here, you're our 1,000th speeding customer on this road. So uh, congratulations, you win an all-expenses-paid family holiday to the Cook Islands. Uh, I've actually got a picture of that. There we go. Is that grace? That is grace. When you don't get what you deserve, that's called mercy. When you get what you don't deserve, that's called Grace. You're sitting there thinking about your upcoming Cook Islands holiday. That's called grace. You're receiving something that you didn't pay for, that you don't deserve, and it's good. That is grace. Now, you might be thinking, Mark, that's a ridiculous story. Let's get into the Word. Let's get into the Word. All right. So let's go a little bit deeper. Ephesians 2.8.9 actually is really good. Because it's got some amazing parts of grace. For it is by grace, capitalization is mine, it's by grace you have been saved. Through faith, it's not from yourself, it's a gift from God, not by works, so no one can boast. So, from this verse, grace is a gift from God. Grace is a gift from God. You can't earn it or gain it by self-effort. Romans 6, 11, For if by grace, then it cannot be based on works. Works is the things that you do. Your self-effort. So if by grace, it cannot be based on works. If it were, grace would no longer be grace. So the very opposite of grace is works. The very opposite of grace is the things we do to try and get into God's good books. The things we do to try and earn God's favor or to try and be justified or sanctified, if they're not grace. The entire book of Galatians is on this theme. Paul planted the church as an apostle in the Galatia. Is that the city, Lawrence? Is it Galatia? then the region of Galatia and he wrote to them because the people afterwards followed Paul saying well to be fully right with God you must if you're a male undergo a certain uncomfortable medical procedure now what do you think about that I think it's a bit of a (laughs) rip-off and I think they worked for tips there we go did I look up jokes about circumcision in Google? Yes. Will I regret what comes up in search in the next few days? Probably. But there you go. How can you not? So anyway, so people followed Paul and said, right, if you really want to be, be right with God, then boom, let's all go under the knife, men. Paul's response, and this is some of the strongest language that Paul used anywhere in all of his writings. And remember, Paul was the biggest contributor to the New Testament. Some of the strongest language he said to the church in the region of Galatia he said, You have fallen from grace. Sometimes we use that term when someone goes into sin. That's not what it means. Paul said, you have fallen from grace because you're trying to get into God's good books, achieve justification or sanctification by the things you do instead of by grace. The strong language, he said, this is a different gospel. It is not the good news. And finally, finally, he said, circumcision or uncircumcision has no value. He contrasted the law, which all through the Old Testament, and just to sum up, these are the things people had to do to be in God's good books, to be blessed by God, not cursed by God. He contrasted the law with grace, which is Jesus fully paid the price. It is a gift, they're not the same thing. There's no middle ground. And according to Paul, going by our self-effort actually nullifies this powerful, life-transforming, dream-fulfilling, abundance-bringing gift of grace. They're opposites. One nullifies the other. And that's why he spoke so passionately. Galatians, six chapters. Follow his logic through. It's a powerful book, a powerful message. Grace is... Is a gift. It is not of yourselves. It's a gift from God. It's undeserved, unmerited. You can't work for it. You can't earn it. But there's more in this verse. This is an incredible verse. So it's by grace that you have been saved. If you like me, whenever I get into this habit, whenever I see the word saved, and most of the time saved in the New Testament, is the Greek word sozo. Look it up on Bible Hub right now if you like. The Greek word sozo, which means, sometimes we think saved means I've been rescued from my sins. It's so much more. Sozo means rescued, made whole, healed, preserved, made well. So what this verse is saying, it's by grace that you've been saved. It's a gift from God. It means by this gift of grace... That we can't earn, we're rescued. By this gift of grace that we can't earn, we're preserved. By this gift of grace that we can't earn, we're healed. By this gift of grace that we can't earn, we're restored. We're restored. And by this gift of grace that we can't earn, We're made whole. Grace is the realisation that we've already been given this from God. These good things, whether inside or outside, are a gift from God God, we can never earn. And I love Joseph Prince's definition of grace is unmerited favour. Unmerited, we can't earn it. We can't be disqualified from it. Unmerited favour. It's by grace that we've been saved Healed, made whole, preserved, rescued, restored. It's by grace that we're put into this favor position of God. We can't earn it. We can only receive it. So how does this grace affect our ability to reign? What if God wants to do the same favoured and good things through your life by grace that he did through Joseph, who was an archetype of Jesus. Where no matter what circumstances you face, things just turn out for good, even really good. What if life is an incredible unwrapping of the gifts from God, the goodness of God? What if there's no reward, no merit system to boost our standing or even disqualify us? It's just a gift from God called grace. Whether that means a job promotion, success in relationships, whether that means health, whether that means opportunities, whether that means everything you put your hand to succeeds, Deuteronomy 28.8, or whether that means all these blessings will come upon you and overtake you. Deuteronomy 28.2, whether that means increasing influence, increasing authority. What if this is God's plans for your life? And what if all we need to do to receive this is to believe? Believe that God is that good. Jesus said, and this is really important. Jesus said, whatever you believe in your heart, you'll receive. And this is why I prayed earlier that God would give us revelation because this is where the rubber hits the road. Because sometimes like the Galatians, our belief is that God will only do something good if we. God will only provide or God will only give or we're only in the favourable place with God if we first. But that's not grace. And according to Galatians, that nullifies this powerful abundant, life-transforming, incredible message. Because that's what grace is. What you believe in your heart, you'll receive. And if you remember the verse, for it's by grace you've been saved, this is where the through faith bit comes in. Through faith. Because if you believe in your heart that when you walk into the room, people will judge you, if you believe that people will take advantage of you, then if that's your belief, that's what you'll see if you believe in your heart that you're not good enough, then that's what you'll see. If you believe in your heart that no one could ever love you, then that's what you'll see. If you believe in your heart that people with your background are always gonna be broke, then that's what you'll see. If you believe that, well, I'm always gonna be sick, then that's what you'll see. But grace stands against those lies that we sometimes carry in our heart and our mind. And grace says God's goodness is a free gift paid for at the cross by Jesus. You can't earn it or work up this favor. It's grace. It's scandalous how good God is. So for me personally, when I started to to realize this and understand this, it really hit home. And I grew up in a family that works hard. My folks worked really hard in their business. And, and for some reason, in my mind and in my heart, I thought, well, if God's gonna be good to me and God's been good to me because of the cross, I owe him. So I've got to pay it back. And unless I'm paying it back good enough, then when I was in my early 20s, I burnt out because of that. I was just done. I was trying to get into God's good because I was trying to pay him back, but you can never pay him back. And so, now this might seem silly, but yeah, I don't care. So I used to go to this men's small group um, when we lived in Nashville, and <laughs> it was cool. It was a bunch of guys discovering God's goodness, discovering God's grace. And I, I knew there was this thing about God's unconditional love for me that I had to get. And so uh, in the car on the way, I'd flick on Spotify, and I'd always play... Um, I want to know what love is by foreigner. I want to know what love is. And uh, because that was like, God, I know it seems silly, but I don't care, that was me. Um, I was That was my prayer. I wanted to know what God's love is and I wanted to know it deep down in my heart that I was loved no matter what I did. And that was my prayer. And over time, God began to show me what love is. I spent time in Psalms 139 where God says, I love you, I know you so well, I know when you get up, when you go out, I know when you come in. I know when you lie down, I know your thoughts before you speak them, before you think them. My thoughts about you are more than the sands. Every sand on the beach, in the desert, on this earth, more than that are God's thoughts about me. So I let that sink in. And what happened when I let that sink in and I started to transform because I knew God loved me, it opened the way to grace because it transforms you on the inside that God has so much goodness for you. And that's when you begin to, I guess, reign. That's when you begin to be in a place in your life where you can actually receive the goodness of God. Lift up your head, dream higher because it's all free when we replace the lies that hold us back with the truth of the unmerited love, favour and goodness of God changes who we are. And, and it's the doorway to reigning in life. Now, some of you might be thinking, well, I mean, I kind of reign in my place of work. <laughs> I don't mean to boast, but uh, I'm the nicest on the telephone compared to anyone else of my co-workers. <laughs> so, you know, there's a little bit of reigning influence going on there. But what if God's called you more than just to your, comp- to, to, to your workplace? What if he's called you to influence your company? Or your region or your community or even your country. Remember, we're called to disciple nations. Remember the parable of the talents when God said to when when in the story the rich ruler said to one of the people, All right, you rule over ten nations. It's all part of it. Now, some of you might be thinking, Well, <laughs> God's already been good to me. I mean, financially, we're doing quite well, you know? We're actually doing all right. We actually, have a $10 million property portfolio. Well, what if? God wants you to reign. What if God wants you to have a 50 million property worth of value property portfolio. Portfolio. Why? So you can give away 10 million every year and do crazy God stuff. Now, some of you might be thinking 50 million, that's a bit greedy, but it's not for you. That's the point. God puts us in these incredible positions like Joseph of influence, and it's not necessarily for us. He wants the church and us as Christians to rise up, to be in places where we overflow with the goodness of God and the people we influence, influence and where we invest our finances, because I do believe He does want us to be blessed to be a blessing in the things that we say and the things that we do. I love this Bill Johnson quote that says, to not pursue the blessing of the Lord is one of the most selfish acts of the church. You were born to reign. You were born to Terrain. And it's more than just me going, well, we're a bit backwards in our finances at the moment and life is crazy because the kids are young and our family's on the other side of the world. It's a whole lot more than that, that God wants to transform us on the inside out to be in a place where his influence is so coming through our lives. Yes, in our family. Yes, in our extended community of friends. And then even further, Grace is God's gift in your life. Now, I feel like this is, this is important just to, to wind it up. When we learn to rest and receive, God will bring far greater breakthrough than our workiest work could ever do. When we learn to rest and receive by grace, we'll see far greater results in our work than our greatest self-effort and trying, I felt like this was for some of us this morning. I know this has been for me for a long time. The things God will do in your life by grace are far greater than our workiest work, our greatest self-effort. We can work ourselves to the bone and we won't see what God would wanna do when we learn to receive by grace. I wanna finish this morning Oh, this is part one. Oh, there's so much there. Take home this verse, Romans 5, 17. Talk to God about it. This is an incredible verse. There's so much there. Look up the verses of grace. Read Galatians. Read the book, Unmerited Favor. Because there's so much there. And for me, it was life transforming. Next week's righteousness, and I can't believe That was massive for me. This was, this was so big for me. But I wanna finish this morning with praying a prayer of blessing over everyone. And a prayer of favor. So, um, can we do that? Do you mind? Can we all stand? If you're able to stand, stand up on your feet. And if it's helpful, if you're bold enough, I wonder if you could hold your arms out in a receiving way. Because we're acknowledging. Sometimes it's good to line up our body with where we're at. We're acknowledging God. We're receiving from you, not from me. This is from God. Just wanna circle back to one thing, just stay in this place because I feel like the Holy Spirit's already moving. But if you're that person here this morning who's going, well, God's not gonna bless my finances because, well, I got into this problem myself. Or God's not gonna bless my family because I'm the one who messed it up. Well, you need to know that your sins are not larger than His grace. His grace is powerful. It trumps all. It overrides all. If God didn't bless us because of our stupid mistakes, He wouldn't and couldn't bless anybody. In Jesus, we're right. In Jesus, we're good. And I believe God wants to pour out His blessings. Just before I pray over everyone, um, I wanna pray a special blessing on the marshals today. God is doing awesome things in your life and your family and your ministry And I pray he increases it and does things far greater than you could ever expect, far greater than you could dream or imagine. It's all about him. You guys just came with a willing and ready heart and I feel like God's going, this is your season and he's gonna do it and you're gonna watch and be amazed and let it happen and let lives be transformed through what you guys are doing. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your grace, and grace is a name, and it's Jesus. Thank you for Jesus, that because of what Jesus has done, we've been made alive. Because of what Jesus has done, we've been made right with you. Because of what Jesus has done, we can receive your gifts and your goodness and your favour, and we could experience your goodness in our lives. Because of what Jesus has done, those lies, those things which hold us back, and if Holy Spirit's revealing any of those things today, those things can be replaced with your goodness and grace, with your love, yes, with indeed your mercy. May we know we're loved. God, I pray, remove the lies and the things which have held us back for too long so we can live in your hope, your confident expectation of good. And your love. So we pray your blessing of favor that things like Joseph would just happen. That we would be in favored positions. Not because we deserve it, because you're that good. That we would see promotions and work. We would see things just come together. Even things that someone has spoken, oh, that'll never happen. Well, you're the God of the impossible. And you're the God who says, Don't tell me this never happens. It will happen. So God, faith for your favour, faith for your goodness, we pray in Jesus' name. And and according to your word, may we receive the abundance of grace, the abundance of unmerited favour, the abundance of God, your riches at Christ's expense because you want us to be blessed, to be a blessing. Teach us what it means to receive from you so we can indeed reign in life. Reign in our families, reign in our work, increase in influence, we pray in Jesus' name. And if Holy Spirit's just been working in your life just now, then just in your heart say, I receive your truth, God. And I'm not gonna live out of this lie anymore. God, you're so, so good. Thank you, Jesus. We receive from you.